Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name's Emmett Mann. Rate, review, subscribe, like, thumbs up, all that fun stuff on every platform that you take in this content. S, how you doing, bro? I am doing good, man. I, I still feel like I'm in summer mode, but I'm also not because we are all kind of covering and watching Team Canada as they're out there in Jakarta, you know, dominating in, in a way mm-hmm. that we've never really seen Canadian men's basketball do. So uh, it's awesome. It's awesome to be able to get this little dose of basketball before the NBA season comes. Yes, sir. And uh, it's that's what we're going to be talking about uh, today is Team Canada and where they are now, um, yeah. where they could be, how much better can they get? You know, Jordy Fernandez coming into this tournament, he kept on saying that we're only going to get better. And fact is, they kind of are. Every mm-hmm. game, and I think also he was speaking from his own perspective, too, that I'm going to get better, too. So if I get better, the players are going to get better. And we're seeing it all kind of come uh, come together now. Do you feel like they've met your expectations have they exceeded them um are they right exactly where you thought they were going to be your your takeaways so far i'm going to be honest they've exceeded my personal expectations Mm. i i thought that they were going to be a good team going into this tournament i thought they were a good but flawed team especially from a shooting department they don't have necessarily the depth that a lot of these other teams have think of a spain you think of a france even uh going into the tournament yeah, exactly. I, I going into <laughs> this tournament. Oh yeah, yeah. Bon, bonsoir, mon ami. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but um, <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I looked at these other teams, and I just said, look, they have more international play. They've been more consistent. They yeah. have, um, they have a more collective group that has played more games together. You look at these like powerhouses, and obviously the United States. And I just looked at that and said. Canada will be good, but how great can they be? And they have shattered my expectations through three games. I did not think they were going to come out and dominate France the way they did. They were resilient against Latvia uh, despite a strugglesome first half. And then they mm-hmm. obviously took took care of business against Lebanon. And I, I, I just think that goes to show you that my expectations were probably a little bit too low for this team. I think now they have set the bar high for themselves and they should be, you know, in the conversation for winning a medal in this tournament. Sure, man. And I, I don't think you were wrong to have some questions about the team. I mean, considering how Jordi Fernandez was hired, uh, yep. Nick Nurse leaves and it's kind of a scramble. They hire him. He's performed excellent. And, you know, in a tournament like this where a bunch of players are coming together, yes, you can tell that the players want to represent Canada, but that doesn't always translate to wins uh, immediately. We've seen that already. Um, with the Canadian national team, but how they have collectively come together and how the roles have kind of been defined so quickly with this team, just going through some of the numbers. So currently they're leading in points per game just over the the U.S. at 108. 
Uh, they're fourth in two-point percentage, second in three-point percentage. Among the league leaders or uh, national World Cup leaders in <laughs> offensive rebounds and defensive rebounding, second in assist to turnover ratio, second in assists, and they are one of the teams that fouled the least. Their probably lone blemish so far is that they're 28th in free throw percentage at 65%. That's got to change. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> it, it's weird, but it's also not surprising because if you look at this roster, they don't have someone who's like an – other than Shea, who is obviously – it's sort of a, a, a blip on the radar in terms of him not being able to hit his three throws. But RJ, Dylan Brooks, like these guys aren't necessarily the best free throw shooters. Even Kelly Olynyk, who's a good three-point shooter – isn't yeah. like the the best free throw shooter so you can see why they'd struggle on that end um i i just think overall like you throw you throw those numbers back at me and like they are who everybody thought they would be like in terms mm. of the, just the collective amount of talent that they have they are out talenting a lot of these teams and i think yeah. That's part of it, but also they've 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 really bought into a lot of their roles. Jordy Fernandez has mentioned it a bunch. Guys like Nikhil Alexander Walker being able to step up and be this this Amazing. bench, yeah, absolutely incredible. I mean, it, like he won't get the the game ball from yesterday, but he was huge in that game. He was absolutely monumental to keep mm -hmm. them alive in the first half with Kelly Olynyk. I just think they they've really found a rhythm, a buy into their roles, and they know what's kind of expected of them every single game. And that's huge going forward into this tournament. Yeah. After the game, uh, I'm not sure if there's like a category for this with the team, but Jordy has a speech and he says a few words and he shouts out a few players. He mentioned Phil Scrub, who, yeah. I mean, he played like what, six minutes or 15 minutes or something like that and had a couple threes. Sorry, it was seven minutes, two threes, and he was a plus 15. That's what it was. Right. And then along with that, uh, he mentioned Nikhil for the way that he came into the game and he kind of set the tone along with some of the other bench players. And that's another thing that's so cool about this team is that they can roll out a lineup with Ken, uh, Kelly Olenek and a few bench players and they can make it work. And those guys, I think they kind of set the tone yesterday mm -hmm. in that game against Latvia where, you know, the start of a little bit lackadaisical, they weren't, you know, keeping up with the pace of, of Latvia and some of those clips from Jordi Fernandez um, in the timeouts were just awesome. Yeah, um, but yeah. then you have the role players coming in and setting the tone. And then obviously the starters came in and they started doing their thing. Um, the, yeah, it seems like the, the whole team, there's a lot of connected pieces and there are pieces that know exactly what they got to do in on offense, what they're asked to do. Shake and step up, obviously, as he has done, RJ is yeah. capable. And we're going to get to that in a second, but, um, it's just been really fun to watch this team grow each and every game and now mm -hmm. you feel like after this Lafayette game that's another feather in their cap where they've learned that okay we got to play this way we got to understand our switching you could tell that their second half chemistry defensively was so much better they were calling yep. out screens they were switching uh, in a heartbeat and they were much more physical and then just looking at Jordy Fernandez and the coaching staff what have you liked so far from him you kind of mentioned him already but uh, there's been yeah. a few things that have really stood out I mean, look, uh, the huddles are amusing. They're awesome. They're fun. I really wish the NBA were to incorporate something like this. The WNBA already does. You can watch it in the playoffs and, and some of the regular season games, like the nationally televised games. For the WNBA, you can listen to the huddle, which I've always thought was an incredible feature 
Um, the NBA should do this. I know like they don't want to give off trade secrets and, and war secrets, but everybody knows what everybody is playing and running mm. almost 95% of the time. You know what to expect. Everybody knows what a double drag is, 77, right? Like all this stuff um, is just so commonplace in the NBA that it would be great to hear the huddles, hear the perspective of them. Um, and from Jordy Fernandez's perspective, you just, you could hear... Um, I think so, somewhat of a buy-in, but also if we're talking just adjustments, his ability to recognize on the fly what a team might be doing. So if, if a team is obviously running zone, he's going to find a way to break that zone. Uh, Jonathan Chen, he works for Raptors Republic. He actually posted a video today on his Twitter channel um, just detailing how the, the, I was about to say the Raptors, how the Canadian team <laughs> uh, broke down uh, Latvia's zone uh, yesterday. And they did a, a phenomenal job. I think that has to do with Jordy Fernandez really setting them up for success by saying, hey, let's let's break it from the middle. Let's actually have a cut here. You know what I mean? Like he's actually mm -hmm. verbalizing a lot of these actions for them. I think that's huge moving forward. The other thing is they are an incredible third quarter team. I think if we were to go ahead and look at like the numbers, they are near the top, maybe at the top of the tournament when it comes to third quarter, just yeah. efficiency, plus minus, whatever you want to call it. That has to do with the adjustments that they make going from one half to the other. And that obviously has to do with the coaching staff and Jordy Fernandez. I think what changed in that Latvia game is how much more willing they were to switch on these off ball screens when they switched on these screens. Okay. They gave up a little bit of size in the post and you saw Latvia try to go ahead and attack that with mm. SGA in the post. Yeah. They gave up a couple buckets in the interior, but at the same time they took Latvia completely out of their rhythm from the three point line. And that helped them win this game. I think just smaller adjustments like that, telling them how to break the zone, showing that, you know, defensively they can kind of adapt on the fly. Jordy Fernandez before this tournament said that, you know, hey, Canada needs to be the best defense in the yeah. entire world going into this tournament. They have looked like that. I think just the the malleability, the flexibility they have between Brooks, RJ, and uh, Lou Dort on the perimeter, and obviously Dort hasn't played for two games, but you can just see the the flexibility they have on the wing to attack ball handlers, to pressure mm -hmm. up, to really, really force guys to make quick decisions and bad decisions. That is... It, it helps Jordy Fernandez. It helps a coach like Jordy to be able yeah. to, you know, switch things up on a dime. I think that's the the biggest thing I would kind of take away from this. Sure. And I had those stats in front of me uh, yesterday. I can't find the document now, but I had like the, the second half numbers because I was going to do third quarter. But then you look at the second half overall and all their mm -hmm. games, it's like they're just crushing teams. Um, but it's like something ridiculous. So they are performing very well uh, right. from that standpoint. But for, for Jordy, um, we kind of know the situation with the Raptors. He was close to getting that uh, head coaching job, but he didn't quite get it. And this is such a huge moment for him to kind of show the NBA, look what I can do. Oh, yeah. Do da, do da. And I'm sure, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like, what have you done for me lately? Lately, A lot with these coaching jobs. And obviously, you know, nothing's uh, coming up imminently, but teams are going to remember this, this moment oh, yeah. from Jordy Fernandez and the buy-in. And these clips that we're seeing during these uh, these timeouts, it's helping him. Mm -hmm. advertise his, his candidacy for any kind of job and how, oh, yeah. you know, I, I was looking at the other day and uh, you saw Shay and Jordy on the podium, like just smiling and joking around. Like you don't see that mm -hmm. from coaches very right. often, especially with the NBA. So that connection that he has with the players, he has their voice. Absolutely. And look, I, I think this is an audition in a lot of ways for him to get that next co head coaching job. Now, 
The question for Canada, I guess, if we're if we're looking at this from a Canadian perspective, is that you hope he doesn't get hired next summer when they <laughs> potentially are in the Olympics. Um, yeah, but I think yeah. I think either way, I, I imagine there's some sort of commitment there for him to coach mm-hmm. this team if they make it to the Olympics next summer. Um, and it seems like they're well on their way to doing that, man. They it seems like they're well on their way. Yeah. Um, just so everyone's clear, we now know their next two opponents. So it's going to be Brazil on Friday at nine thirty, and then Spain. Um, at 9.30 on Sunday, and then we'll we'll revisit things after that. But um, I believe after those two matchups, I mean, it depends, but they could see a Germany, they could see a, a Slovenia. It kind of depends on if they win those games. But, you know, you think of the first time that they, and I'm, I'm, I believe they'll probably be okay against Brazil, also considering Spain beat Brazil by 20 recently. Um, mm-hmm. But now they've already seen Spain because of how, how this is kind of a process for this team and they're slowly but surely, you know, finding their, their identity and they're just improving, you know, you feel pretty good about going into that matchup against Spain, although it is, you know, a great international team. Sergio Scarillo is no joke, uh, but Canada has shown an ability to, you know, overload on teams and make them uh, play the, to their style. You do worry a little bit about some of the uh, Germany teams that have some of those bigger centers. Like that's kind of where Canada is vulnerable. Yes. They have Dwight Powell and Kelly, Kelly Linick, but even in that France game, the first half, once they got both in foul trouble, you're just like, um, uh oh, this mm-hmm. ain't good. And that can happen in any game, right? It's single elimination. Um, but they've been okay so far. That's kind of where the, the screen navigation of uh, Dylan Brooks or Dylan Brooks, um, RJ yeah. Barrett, uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker, these guys are going to be really important. Hopefully, Lou Dort comes back soon because he's going to be also crucial in these games coming up as the competition ramps up. I think the expectation was that Dort will be ready for Brazil. Uh, I I may have seen that mm. quote floating around earlier this morning. Uh, so I, I think they were just kind of holding him out to make sure that he's good for the second round because they obviously need a guy like that when you're playing higher up competition like Brazil and Spain. Um, when it comes to Brazil, they're dealing with some injuries. Raul Neto isn't going to be in the lineup. Uh, he's, he's out for the rest of the tournament. That obviously is another guard that they're going to have to deal with. But Bruno, Bruno has been their man throughout this entire tournament. Bruno Caboclo. Yes, um, and it'll be interesting to see how they kind of game plan for him. He's, he's been sort of like this, this big man that can kind of stretch the floor for them. It's sort of everything the Raptors hope. What Bruno the vision would, was, yeah. of course. Yes. yes yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. It, it was what the vision was supposed to be the odd some 10 years ago, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting. And it's, and it's funny because on the other side in Spain, you're going to be playing Juancho Hernan Gomez and Sergio Scariola. So a lot of familiar faces for Raptors fans, uh, over these next two games, I think, you know, when it comes to Spain, you're right. I've liked the way they matched up against them in that exhibition game. They obviously played them well. I think they threw out something defensively when it came to just having a lot of size on the wings. You mentioned yeah. Lou Dort. He's going to be super important. He was great in that game against Spain. Um, mm-hmm. Guys like Dylan Brooks, guys like RJ Barrett, being able to guard up in size also because they can they can handle guys in the post. They can be physical. They can be stronger. Um that's going to be key against Spain because Spain is always going to be moving the ball. If you watch them, man, they are so incredible. They are going to make sure there's like five or six passes before they even put a shot up. Um, And you just have to stay attached. You have to stay confident in your defense resilience and, and also just like be communicating on defense. And I think that's, that's going to be the huge thing going into the Spain game. When it comes to Brazil, I I think they will handle them. Uh, And it's wild to say, because you know, maybe even two years ago, I wouldn't be as confident in saying this, but this is, these are the expectations Canada has sort of set out yeah. for itself, right? Yeah. 
And also it's a different Brazil team too. Like, you know, back yeah. then they had, you know, Barbosa was still in the picture or just other players like that. Like they just had a bit more depth and now they're kind of in a transition period. This Lavia yeah. game is going to help um, against Spain, I think in the near future. Um, mm-hmm. Just like dealing with all the cutting and the tempo that they're playing at, it was a bit of a transition. And I'm sure Jordi Fernandez and the coaching staff are telling them, this is how you got to play. But once you're on the court and you're dealing with it, it's a different kind of feeling. And just uh, being able to switch as much as they probably are going to, um, it's yeah. a simple task, you know, for me to sit, stand here and say that, yeah, sure, it's just, you know, switch up. But um, it's not like that necessarily for the players on the court. But this experience, I'm sure, is going to help them. Uh, I did see that Lafia, they were mixing around with them, getting Shea switched onto some centers and some power mm-hmm. forwards. And that's going to be something that Canada's going to have to be aware about. And also Shea himself, like uh, there are a few occasions where, you know, now you got Shea under the basket. There's like a six, nine dude that Dwight Powell's helping. And now there's a tag yeah. and then there's an open three. And exactly. Spain yeah. is a much better three point shooting team. And, you know, to Lafia, like they had a great tempo for the first half, but second half, it just seemed like they kind of lost steam. Like they didn't have that second half luster that they needed. And this is another credit to Canada is that they have that next gear or they're able to sustain, you know, their effort, you know, throughout an entire game. And that speaks to some of their the depth, like the fact that Phil Scruff can come in and just produce the way that he did mm-hmm. um, when the team needed it. Like that's huge. And we didn't even see like Kyle Alexander very much, right? You got Melvin Edgem in there who could probably, you know, play more minutes if you need to, but he can provide that toughness. He can probably guard up a little bit, no different yep. than some of the other guys. So there's certainly a lot of versatility with the with the Canadians. They just got to make sure that Shea, Kelly, and Dwight don't get in foul trouble. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. And uh, especially against Spain, when you have, like, they obviously have their wings in Wancho and Willie, but they, they also, like, they have a lot of good guards that can kind of attack off the bounce. And if you're going to be helping off of those guys or mm. sorry, tagging those guys, yeah. then you're opening up lanes for so many different shooters. You're opening up just so many opportunities for Wancho to attack. And I think like, like you said, with Shea in that first half against Latvia, he struggled defensively. There's no way to, to kind of chalk it up. He was, he said navigating. it too. Yeah. He said he, it. Yeah. He wasn't navigating around screens. Well, uh, they were, they were kind of trying to uh, take advantage of him at any point in time. They could the switching, like you mentioned in the second half, they were trying to get a big body on him and take advantage in the interior. Mm. Yeah. Canada's going to have to be wary of that. And also like, this is something that plagues the NBA, but it also is clearly plaguing these more NBA talented teams. You see it with the USA as well. Just unnecessary switching. When you don't need to switch, you don't need to switch, right? Uh, and, and sometimes on these like- Pet peeve, bro. Pet yeah, peeve. Yeah, I yeah. hear you. And, and sometimes on these like regular screening actions, if it's like a pick and roll, you don't necessarily need to have Dwight Powell switch out onto the guard. You mm. can just fight over the screen a little bit more or maybe just lock and trail and you're back there, right? You're back yeah. where you need to be. And I just, I think that's the biggest issue maybe moving forward with Canada defensively is how maybe they're too willing to switch sometimes. And I think that's mm. probably something you're going to have to take a look at with Spain and Brazil because you can't do that against Germany. You can't do that against Australia. And you for sure can't do that against Slovenia when it comes to Luka Doncic. So yeah. y- you're going to have to learn to not give up switches as easily if you're moving mm. forward here for Canada defensively. And that's going to be a big task for for Kelly and Dwight is that sometimes it just seems like the easier route to go when you have some big guys who can move their feet a little bit, but against the dentistry. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Probably not. Luka Doncic, mm -hmm. probably not. So there's going to be a few of those guys that they're going to have to be a bit more careful. But few yeah. teams have like the combination that Spain has where they have the off-ball movement, the pace that they play with, and then along with that, a few perimeter threats. There's only a few that, that can really uh, keep up in, in that sense. So... That's going to be an adjustment for Canada as they go through this tournament. Is there anything else on the defensive side that you're curious about? I think we covered most of these things. I think just like locking into your, your matchups, like now there's a good sample yeah. size. You have a lot of film you can look at. Um, and at some point it comes down to the players, like how well do you know the player in front of you? Mm -hmm. You know, um, yeah. it's kind of like a playoff series now that you have a few days to prepare. They know they're going to be facing Brazil and Spain, right? So lock in, is this guy you know, crash in the glass. Uh, what side of the, the floor does he like to operate from? Um, does he have a step back jumper? Like just really know your people. Um, but I mean, that goes without saying that, that they have to do that. Hey, I also think like the fact that Jordi Fernandez is a Spaniard himself and has tons of experience with the Spanish club uh, mm. and just internationally with Spain is going to do wonders for them against Spain in this tournament. Um, I just think like, look, he knows the this game plan he knows how they want to play he knows the scattering report maybe more than a lot of other head coaches do just because of ex his experience with that program it's going to help in that Spain game I think just for their game plan for what he's looking at film wise and how they might match up mm. going to be big for them did you see that Jordy said Sergio is his FIBA father yes yeah and Mike Brown is his NBA father so yes. he has he has three different Papa's in, in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Chef's to Alex Adams of uh, Raptors Republic, who's out there, right? Yeah, man. Um, yeah, covering yeah. this. Um, he's doing a great job out there. Offensively, let's move to there. Do you like their foundation? Can it get better? How could it get better? What are your What are your thoughts? Yeah, if Jamal Murray was on this roster, it could get better. No, uh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had us all fooled, bro. I thought he was going to play. I thought he was too. I really did think he. I, there was a moment there where I yeah. was like, "Ah, oh, he's gonna he's gonna show up in Spain and just it's gonna be a, a fun time for this entire thing." I think. Look, when you what what you have here with this team offensively, mm -hmm. I would like to see, and we've already seen this so far, um, the foundation of staggering Nikhil Alexander Walker into the starting lineup with some of their units. Yeah. So in, instead yeah, of yeah, having yeah. RJ or instead of having Dylan Brooks on there, who like shooting wise, they aren't doing that well. Nikhil is absolutely lights out in this tournament so far from behind the line. He's, I think he's shooting 50% from three this four year. threes in each game so far. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, and like a lot of those Boy. are spot up. A lot of those are, are catch and shoot, but like you need a guy who's confident and going into rhythm, like mm -hmm. just, just like in rhythm, finding his, his kind of stride, if you will, in yeah. these units. Being able to plug him in with the starters is going to be huge. I like that as a foundation for just like transitional lineups in the second mm. and third quarter. Um, as far as their foundation looks offensively, look, I mean, it's Shea plus, hey, can we create spacing for Shea? Um, yeah. and, and we've seen that that has worked for the most part, but they also have other things they can go to like a play like a playmaking hub in a Kelly Olynyk. They can play that five out offense if they want to delay actions. They can have cutters and dribble handoffs when it comes to Kelly O just because he's such a good passer for a big man. Um, 
I think that's like, those are the two main foundations for their offense. And then also it's just like getting into the paint. They, they are obviously a very, very physical team. They can, they, they can carve up teams in the interior between RJ, between Dylan, Lou Dort and SGA. It's just, Mm -hmm. they're, they are a human battering ram of a, of a basketball team and they need to double down on that. Um, and that Mm -hmm. will in turn open up their three point shooting and spacing. Yeah. My two points here. Great. My sync like non Shay minutes optimizing kelly minutes as a hub nice hell yeah that's what i had um it's same kind of thing for me man and i think um utilizing rj in those moments too like we talked Mm -hmm. about dylan brooks maybe coming off the court maybe it's you know depending on the matchup so maybe you bring in akil and rj sits and that way he's on the floor with kelly for those those stretches they've had some great two-man chemistry also dylan brooks and rj have had some great chemistry dylan has a three assists or seven assists over his last two games. And a lot of those are going to RJ in the corner. These, these like little wraparound passes from mm-hmm. one corner to the other. He's been doing a good job on, on those sets. And it's kind of like that kind of stuff. And yeah. uh, what I like about what Jordy is doing, it seems like this is kind of what their plan is that Shay was talking after the previous game that, you know, I got to do a better job of, you know, being ready to go and engage offensively in the first half. But I'm like, I don't think that's your plan. I think your plan is to, as we've seen many superstars do beforehand, that they spend the first half within reason, you know, beating their teammates, getting their confidence up. And then second half comes around and you're like, okay, well, lights are on. Here we go. It's kind of like what I'm seeing, right? It's like, then they go to that five out, they go to spread, pick and roll, and they make their decisions from there. And Shea just cooks people (laughs) Yeah, he does. Look, his his third quarters are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Stephen Dolan, he covers the Thunder. Um, and I I kind of posted their third quarter stat where, uh, they I believe they're outscoring opponents eighty three to forty one in the third quarter, something along the lines of that. They're doubling their opponents essentially in the third. And he said it's not just a Team Canada thing; it's an SGA thing. SGA is just clearly a third quarter guy in the NBA. He has mm. carried that over into Canada basketball as well. Clearly, just like, yeah, it's it's spread out. Let Shea cook. And I think that will be a great, great thing against Brazil and Spain. The, they do have decent point of attack defenders, but they don't have anybody that can contain Shea. Um, no. And that's, that's going to be one of the bigger kind of questions, if you will, going into these next two games against, against the better teams, right? He's uh, outscored the opponent in two quarters. Two third quarters <laughs> so far by yeah. himself. Um, that's that's, that's great defense, which is another hallmark of uh, Jordy Fernandez and the Canadian defense. But also Shay just like coming out and guns a blazing and mm-hmm. man, that's how he does it. It's like there's so much variety to it. He's so silky smooth. It's stop and goes. It's accelerate, decelerate. It's like dropping dudes. I just like I was looking yeah. at some footage before we started this, and I just posted a a clip on on Twitter. It was a screenshot of just a dude just like buckled. From Shay, oh, the like the, the guy who looks like he's proposing. Yes, I, I saw, I saw <laughs> not that. even yeah. that one, it was another one. Oh, really? <laughs> From the Latvia game, he was doing it to everyone. He's so good, he's yeah. so good, he's it, so much fun to watch. It's incredible. Uh, and it, I guess it's somewhat refreshing for you know, obviously, this is a Raptors podcast for the people who have been watching and, and following the Raptors over the last couple of seasons. It's refreshing to have a player like SGA where you can just kind of you know that the game is in control because of of a superstar mm. level player like him just the way that he is able to completely dominate a game uh and it's 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 a joy to watch Tr- genuinely it like the fact that SGA calls Canada home it should be a, a celebration uh, uh, every day 
um should he should get his own national holiday in Canada if they win gold so yeah on the Latvia broadcast, not the broadcast, it was the FIBA broadcast, but the clip I was watching, one of the announcers at one point is like, this is not a good matchup. And it was Shade just, <laughs> that's, surely enough, Shea just like took a guy off the dribble and, and and yeah, and finished the play. He's averaging 22 points, eight rebounds, six assists on 54% shooting. 54% shooting. Damn. Wow. Very, very good. And uh, Shea being a 6'6 point guard also is a problem for most teams. Like, you just think about like basketball and how it usually goes you don't have a point guard who's six six so right off the bat you have a matchup problem and uh there were a few occasions the past few games where rj um he's become the benefactor of that where like he's getting these smaller players uh, against him and they ran some three-man action last game where they had empty side and rj got a post up against like this little little french fry here and he just cooked him um i could see more of that happening if they want to use rj and kelly in some of those non shea minutes i think that's something they should really explore granted mm-hmm. i'm sure that you know you want to do your your kelly plus bench minutes but i think you know that's gonna probably change as we go further in the tournament you want to have your best players on the court more and yeah. one way to do that is just like very simple staggering bring in melvin Edgem, um bring in Nikhil for a few minutes here and there and then that way you can strengthen those non-shame minutes i think that's going to be really important for them but uh outside of that just if rj can continue to hit his threes that's gonna be another one too yeah um, those corner yeah. threes versus the zone he's seven of 12 over his last two games although he's two of eight from the free throw line it is what it is um but that's gonna be really helpful too he's been used as a corner three-point shooter when they do face zone and i'm sure kelly as a zone buster it's very very nice to have someone who can just like play make from there hit those mid-range shots can dribble the ball can find his teammates that's a huge asset um but ultimately against a zone you're going to need some three-point shooting so that's going to be really important for rj too yeah in general like i think three-point shooting is just going to become more and more important for this team as they Mm -hmm. go forward in this tournament um they in the first half of that latvia game they were losing the math battle right that's just plain and simple that's why they were losing that game it's just latvia was scoring three and they were for the most part just scoring two and they weren't hitting their outside shots at all the better shooting team they will be the better the further they'll go in this tournament honestly it's it's about as simple as that for this team offensively um they have everything outside of the shooting department to be a successful offense. We mentioned it with Shea and RJ and Dylan and all those guys just being able yeah. to attack the rim and be interior forces. Now you have to be able to spread the floor. And they've done so consistently so far, but now you have to do it against tougher competition, against Brazil, against Spain, mm. later on against Germany and Slovenia and all those guys. So knocking down shots is, is the name of the game here in the FIBA tournament. Indeed. And in those zones matchups where they're going to see more zones, I'm sure of it, as we mm-hmm. all know, why wouldn't you do that against the Raptors and also Team Canada? <laughs> uh, the off-ball cutting is going to be really important too. And it's just more about like shifting the defense a little bit so that way they can't overload sides of the court. It's keeping them spread out. Um, that's going to be important for them. And I saw Jordy Fernandez after that first quarter against Latvia, you saw Nikhil, he was cutting, you saw Trayvon Haynes. Like that's when I was talking about the, the early second quarter minutes from the bench is that, that kind of galvanized everyone. And you saw how effective cutting can be. And it's just about making sure that everyone has a, a window for, for a playmaking option and a passing angle. That's kind of what it comes down to. And it can be that simple. And it's just about keeping yourself engaged. That's yeah. a big thing. Yeah, I agree. I, I think like overall, they've done a good job of getting guys touches um, yep. and, and and also just like kind of keeping things even keeled. Yeah, Shea is out there dominating in third quarters and obviously being the primary ball handler, but they've still done a good job of 
getting RJ moving off of the ball. They've done some like these Ram cuts with RJ and Dylan that yeah. have been successful with Lou Dort as well. Once he was healthy, I think like just getting guys to be more willing to move off of the ball is going to open up more for you. And then in turn, it's going to, it's going to open up the spacing aspect for you as well, because if they're looking for you off ball to kind of cut in and, and get involved on actions, if you will, especially on the weak side, now yeah. you're keeping defenses more honest. And I, I think that's important moving forward into this tournament as well. Gold medal threats. Okay. So we got Canada. Yeah. Right. USA, Lithuania. Um, yeah. Those are a few others, um, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's still very open. Like this is a one game elimination, right? We're going to get there fairly soon and anything can happen. It's cliche to say, but anything can happen. Dennis Schroeder can go off for 35. You never know. Um, but outside of those two teams, or if you want to talk about those two teams, like uh, feel free, but uh, are yeah. there other teams that you feel like have gold medal potential? I think I think you mentioned it with USA and Lithuania. Those two teams look really, really good. Uh, JV has just been awesome for Lithuania. Uh, he is a monster in FIBA tournaments. He's going to be a load if Canada faces him. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to be really, really tough to face. Yeah. Um, and I think USA USA is obviously going to be a, a, a force mm. every single time. You know that they're gunning for a gold medal. Um, the other teams that I would think of are the teams that Canada might potentially face in the, in the coming rounds. Germany seems like a team that could really go for a gold medal, maybe not a gold, but they just seem like they are ready to be a medal team in this tournament. They just have such a great nucleus, uh, between Dennis Schroeder, the Wagner brothers. Then they have all of these like plug and play pieces. They have a great mix of shooting, playmaking and defense. It just works so incredibly well. Uh, we saw it in the two games against Canada, just how in sync this team is and how like they just fit together so incredibly well. I think Germany is is a very, very good team to watch out for. The other team I would say is Australia and Slovenia, two teams that like, hey, we're the Canadians are probably going to have to play. Australia obviously has boatloads of NBA talent, but they also, like I said, with, with France and, and Germany, they just are succinct. They have like a roster that is cohesive and has played together for a very, very long time. Mm. And with Slovenia, when you have Luka Doncic, you have a chance in literally every single game. He is good enough to beat literally any player and any team in any given game. And like, yeah, that's going to be a tough matchup. I'm really curious to see how Canada matches up against Slovenia because of the fact that like they are – it's I'm curious to see who they throw on Luca. Let's just say that. Are they going to be are they going to throw Lou Dort? Is it going to be Dylan Brooks? And I I think I imagine Dylan gets the the first matchup for yeah. against Luca. But yeah, it's it's those type of teams that you're looking at and saying they can they can win a medal in this tournament. Um and it sucks because most of them are on the Canadian side. <laughs> yeah. But it's a competitive tournament for sure and I worry yeah. a little bit about Dylan Brooks getting in foul trouble. He's had some problems with it. I mean, because of the the versatility that they have at the the three spot, the four spot, or the, I guess the two three spot, um, they're able to put someone else out there. But against the matchup like Luka Doncic, you want your best guys out there. However, I mean, then they just you know roll in Lou Dort, or maybe they gotta give RJ a shot. Um, especially in a matchup against Slovenia, like you think that okay, so what if Shea and Luka just cancel each other out essentially with the production? Like then, Can has been pretty reliant on Shea as a scorer. So how does that work afterwards? And then you're going to hope that Kelly, who's been so good so far, like Mr. I can do whatever you need me to do, right? Um, In his minutes, but then you're going to need him to do more. You're going to need RJ to produce more. And uh, not saying they can't do it, they can, but that's where some of the challenges that Canada is going to face. Then against the Germany, 
it's just size, man. The size is a problem, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's yeah. it's like the one thing that Canada doesn't have right now. They don't even have like a, you know, Zach Eady at some point potentially is going to be in the conversation, but they don't have even like a person off the bench that they can bring in just to help stabilize things a little bit for uh, some of the tougher minutes. Cause I like the idea of Kelly and Dwight being on the court together because Kelly is a kind of a guard in a way, right. With mm-hmm. how they use them and he's able to spread the floor. But um, if those guys get in foul trouble, boy, oh boy, it does look really different. Canada looks really different. Yeah. I, I think this is where Kyle Alexander and Melvin Ezrin come and play and how much they're going to be able to just mm-hmm. produce for the Canadians moving forward in this tournament. Melvin Ezrin is a big body. He can sort of be your power forward de facto guy if they get into foul trouble. And then Kyle Alexander has shown that he can be a center for you. But then again, like the size matchup, he's 6'11", but he he looks and feels kind of smaller than a 6'11". Yeah. Um, and I wonder how they kind of move forward if there is a size issue do they start doubling in the post and if so how does that kind of impact their three-point shooting defense and all that stuff i think yeah moving forward the size is going to be a massive issue and then on top of that like that's just looking forward into the future for the canadians as well when you think of next year in the olympics when it comes to france and then potentially playing gobert and wemby and maybe even Embiid, and you think of usa and who they might be able to bring out obviously the dominican with carl anthony towns and we mentioned lithuania with jv having a big guy that can be this kind of like all-purpose scorer and creator Mm -hmm. and just big body for you is something that Canada desperately misses. And there's not really anybody in the pipeline coming no. for them either. So it's it's tough. I've been it's looking for be it for a long time too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think they have to probably resort to an import. Like they, they might yeah. have to just find someone who is like, oh, I lived in Canada for one year. Let me get a Canadian Get on Ancestry.com. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Connection. Yeah, like the Samuel Dallenberry. You remember Samuel Dallenberry? Uh, he, he played for Canada yeah. in like 2011 yeah. or 10. I can't remember, but yeah, you got a Canadian citizenship, right? <laughs> I saw Sam. That was an experience. <laughs> that was an experience. He had fun. I'll put it that way. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, bro. This was a lot of fun. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, closing thoughts, sir. Anything you got coming up or is this going to be a lot of watching basketball? Yeah, a lot of watching basketball. I'm going to be doing uh, season previews on SDPN's YouTube channel. So you can just like literally every single day in September, one team, one preview. So go out and check those out on YouTube. And yeah, that's about it. All right, bro. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for coming on us. Talk to you all soon. Peace.